0: Our lesson this morning is from the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. For the next four weeks, I'll be preaching from the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. This morning's lesson are the first 11 verses of that chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, so that the just requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So Miss Tamara does not look at my sermons before I preach them. She does not know what they're titled. She does sometimes between worship services help me fix my sermons when she says, no, 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 you can't say that again. Here, say it this way. Yes, ma'am, I will say it that way. So Friday, we're going out to eat, and she's talking about the bank. She's one of the vice presidents at Gibsland Bank and Trust, your community bank, founded on April the 15th, 1948. And she says, we're getting a new logo. And I said, really? You're rebranding? Yeah, that's what we're doing. How did you know about rebranding? Ah, I'm going to talk about rebranding on Sunday. This little bank started in the metroplex of Gibsland, Louisiana. All 1,100 people who live in Gibsland. I swear Tamara knows all of them. And now that little bank has branches in, in Shreveport, Bossier, and Homer, and Hainesville, and Minden. And they're coming this way. I'm not allowed to talk about that, but they're coming this way. That little branch is going to be spread out all over North Louisiana. Who would have thought that that little branch could do such things? But because they're doing such things, they've decided to rebrand. Gibsland Bank and Trust. You know all about rebranding. My favorite car back in the 70s, a Datsun 240Z. People are going, what's a Datsun? I never heard of a Datsun. And why didn't the car have a name? It just had a number. It was a fast two-seater. It was a great car. And you have heard of Datsun. They're now Nissan Motors. Because nobody knew Datsun back then. And they had to compete with Volkswagen and Honda. So they became Toyota. They became Nissan. Any of you eating at the International House of Pancakes? IHOP. Yes, you have. You just don't call it the International House of Pancakes because they've rebranded themselves. And industry is forever doing that. They're changing their logos. Sometimes they change their core values. Sometimes, well, sometimes it doesn't quite work out too well for them. And so I was thinking about rebranding, and as I read the 8th chapter of Romans, particularly these first few verses, it's maybe calling us to rebrand ourselves as Christians. God was forever doing that. He would change somebody's name. Abram and Sarah became Abraham and Sarah. Jacob became Esau. Um, Simon becomes Peter. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul the Apostle as he gave individuals a new calling and a new ministry and a new focus. Very often God would rebrand them and rename them. And even in the church, we were known as followers of the way, and then we became Christians. And I want to argue for maybe we need to take it a step further and just call ourselves children of the Spirit. Paul talks in the seventh chapter of Romans about the law, the law that Moses gave, the Ten Commandments for the, I'll just do the shorthand version of it. And Paul says the law was given to create a hedge around our lives as a protection for us, but the law could not save us. As a matter of fact, the law sort of made us miserable. Paul says in writing to the Romans, I would not have known what it is to covet, If the law had not said, you shall not covet... So the law could identify behaviors to be avoided, but the law couldn't do anything about changing those behaviors. Paul said in the seventh chapter, the 23rd verse, But I see my members, but I see in my members another law at war within me, the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So Paul was saying this law that was given on Sinai, the Mosaic law, makes us miserable. Because we fall under conviction and then we fall under condemnation. So he begins the 8th chapter by saying, There is no condemnation in Christ. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You have been rebranded by life in the Spirit. Rebranding is going on everywhere. It's going on in the church. In the United Methodist Church, it's going on. Our Board of Pensions became West Path. So they could serve whatever denominations arise out of the United Methodist Church. My favorite one was the United Methodist Women changed their name. They didn't tell anybody. And the women found out about it. United Methodist Women aren't that anymore. They're now United Women in Faith. Why? So they can serve both branches of the Methodist Church if that were to happen. TMS Global, who's coming in and doing our uh, workshop on what day? August 27th, they're pretty good. They used to, TMS Global used to be the Mission Society of United Methodists. Everybody's changing their names. They're changing their names in preparation for what might be a new reality. I think as as Christians, we need to look at our rebranding we we need to claim the holy spirit in our lives i have a bunch of friends who are are pentecostal preachers assembly of god preachers they hand out hang out in the church of god in christ they're just more on the charismatic end of the theological spectrum and we just have a great time kidding each other and i kid them i ask them when they're coming back to mother church they go huh We're the mother church of the charismatic movement. The Pentecostals, the Assembly of God, the Church of God in Christ, the Nazarenes, any holiness church came out of the Methodist church in the 1880s. As a matter of fact, these churches have stolen all of our stuff and they're growing and thriving and vibrant. They stole our small groups. They they stole our emphasis on personal holiness and and social holiness. Um, They stole the Holy Spirit from us just having the time of their lives man they're growing in the spirit and they're growing in faith and they're growing in numbers and and I want to suggest that we might need to take some of our stuff back we might need to understand we're people of the spirit listen to how Paul describes people of the flesh he says those who have minds on the things of the flesh but don't live according to the Spirit, to set your mind on the Spirit is death. To set your mind on the flesh is hostile to God. To set your mind on the flesh, you cannot please God. But life in the Spirit, you have freedom and peace and joy. So I'm going to suggest that a life in the Spirit is, a first of all, a liberation movement. Paul says that being in the Spirit has set you free. He wrote to the Galatians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus came to condemn sin. It says that he came and he dealt with sin. Didn't you like it? No, you didn't. It made you nervous when your mama said, when I get home, I'll deal with you. That was not good. God came from heaven to earth to deal with sin, to take sin out, to to remove its power in our lives, to remove its control over us. Sin was destroyed on Calvary. Death was destroyed on Calvary. We're the ones that keep digging this stuff up and giving it dominion over us when it has none. So being people of the Spirit, rebranding and living a life in the Spirit, first of all, is a liberation movement. And secondly, it's a new way of thinking. When we walk in the Spirit, we think differently. Paul said to the Galatians, what? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Go ahead and live free. Live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Begin thinking these thoughts. Whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's just, dwell, think on these things. Life in the Spirit gives us a new way of thinking. Last Sunday, I was at the Oak Grove Church baptizing a 71-year-old who had come to faith in Christ. And at the end of the worship service, he and his wife joined the church Church membership increased by 10% just taking those two people into the church. They were so happy to join that little church, and that little church was happy to have them. And we have our three churches, Jonesboro, Gibsland, and Oak Grove, and their perennial question is, how can we keep our doors open? The answer to that question indeed is another question. How can we be in ministry to our community? How can we help the hurting people around us? And I hear the question asked, what can we do to bring Trinity back to the greatness she once knew? And the answer to that is found in a lot of what we're going to do on August the 27th from 830 to 130. It's ministering to our community. It's transforming lives around us. It's thinking new thoughts. When I was a teenager, I rarely missed church. But when I was at church, I sat in the balcony as far back as you could sit because that's where the youth group was as far back as you could sit. And we did all the stuff that kids aren't supposed to do in church. We chewed gum and we passed notes. And I remember one Sunday the preacher was preaching his sermon. He had a crooked, bony finger and he was pointing up there to the balcony. You young people, you young people were out last night sowing your wild oats. And you're in church this morning praying for a crop failure. I didn't get the imagery at that point. I've subsequently figured out what he was saying. But folks don't come to church to have somebody's bony finger pointed at them to have a list of sins laid before them. People come to church to be set free for heaven's sakes. They've got enough stuff going on in their lives. They need to go know that the gospel of Jesus Christ liberates them, that God sets them free from heartache, God sets them free from pain, God gives them a source that will walk with them through whatever they're going through, that God is able to do far more abundantly what than we could even ask or imagine? People want to learn to think new thoughts. Back in 2010, Comcast, Comcast, who was probably the worst cable company ever thought of by the mind of whoever thinks of cable companies, they had lousy customer service. They charged four fortunes for the two cable channels you got through Comcast. Comcast decided they had become so unpopular they would rebrand. Do you know who Comcast became? Xfinity. And Xfinity was told, unless you fix your customer service and unless you enhance the product you're bringing to your customers, they're not going to buy into your rebranding. So as we become people of the Spirit, we've got to start thinking new thoughts and communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ in loving, redemptive, forgiving ways. Becoming... People in the Spirit is also receiving a new source of energy. Jesus said, I came to bring life and bring it abundantly. And when you're walking in the Spirit, you are energized and you're enlivened. Um, I've become allergic to Facebook. I'm sorry. I, I try to keep up with my sister and my brother. On Facebook because we're de graphing reads we don't call each other we don't send emails to each other. we just kind of vicariously watch each other and um, I can roll my, my cursor a couple of times and change the Facebook feed and and what when, when did everybody get so mad? I mean everybody's just mad. And then people are mad at all the other Facebook people that are mad. And the ones who aren't mad are offended. And I'm just looking for puppy pictures. I want to see cute little dogs getting adopted. I have a dog, by the way, that needs to be adopted, Cashew. Have I mentioned Cashew? Cashew going once, going twice. I'll, I'll bring him one Sunday. The world is zapping our energy. Because of the conflict we all seem to be in, I mean, you can go to work in the morning and say good morning to somebody, and you set them off. We need a new source of eternal energy—the Holy Spirit—that allows us to live in this world, that allows us to to live in the Spirit. So rebranding involves, in the church, a liberation movement. It involves a new way of thinking, a new source of energy. That means a new future. And that's why we come to the table in the morning, this morning, to be reminded that, that the past, the present, and the future are all located in this altar. That Christ came to give His life for us. And Christ invites us daily to walk with Him and promises that we take Him into our bodies. He is with us in that present with us. And we're reminded this is a call to, to a godly future, to a future inspired and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. I coach ministers. Um, my my my. Coaches or clients are in North Carolina and Kentucky. There's a reason we do that so that they don't have to worry about me ever being a district superintendent. They can tell me the truth, and I can tell them the truth back. And I have a coach, and my coach is, um, he's in North Carolina too. He used to be in Louisiana. He's now in North Carolina. He's just a great guy. And the other day we were on a coaching call, and we were talking about the church, about the future of the United Methodist Church, about uh, the struggles our three small churches have and, and some of the challenges smaller churches face. And, and I've been reading um, stories and biographies of the circuit riders who first came to this country. And one of my, my new heroes is a circuit rider named Jesse Lee. Jesse Lee started his ministry in 1774, and his ministry continued to 1812 or 13, something like that. Jesse Lee would go into a church, or he'd go into a place where he would preach, and Jesse Lee would say, I prayed for the melting, and I saw the melting. And I thought, what's he melting? Is he melting candle wax? What's what's the melting? And I realize what he's talking about are human hearts, that the hard-hearted people were getting soft-hearted, that the Holy Spirit was working in people and their lives were being transformed and changed. That they were moving from being legalistic to being Christ-centered and grace-focused. And so uh, my coach Steve James and I were talking about that, and and Steve said, I'm going to tell you a story. I said, okay, I need a story. He said, there is a three-point charge in the foothills in North Carolina. Now, you may not know it, but sometimes a Methodist preacher has more than one church, and a three-point charge means there's a church that meets at 8.30, there's a church that meets at, um, I think it's 9.45, and the third church on the circuit meets at 11 o'clock. He said these weren't big churches. The early church had maybe 15 in attendance, one church had 12 or 13 in attendance, another church had six or seven in attendance. And just like Louisiana, there were no preachers to go around. So the district superintendent found a layperson who was willing to preach in these three churches. Not ordained, just a layperson like you are. And so he sent the layperson to the three churches. Three white churches... And the layman was a black man. And so he arrived that first Sunday. The three churches knew they were receiving a black man for their pastor, who was also not an ordained minister. And they sat on the edge of their seats, kind of leaning in, waiting for him to say or do something wrong or offensive. The second Sunday, at the first church, at the end of a service, an elderly gentleman walked up to the pastor now at the end of the service and said, Would you accept my apology? The lay speaker said, I don't understand. The the man said, I was mad that they were sending a black man to be my pastor. And on the first Sunday, I sat here with hate in my heart until I heard you preach. Will you forgive me? The pastor said, sure. Sure then the old man said can I hug you and so right there in the sanctuary these two grown men just hugged on each other in an embrace of love and forgiveness the third sunday the church that had 15 and the church that had 12 and the church that had five or six all got on the phone and called people in their community, you got to come hear this guy preach because he talks about the love of God in such a way that you actually feel it and experience it. And, and church is great. And so the pastor at the end of the third service said to the congregation, is there anything I can do for you? And an elderly lady in the back said, yes, you can hold me accountable for my faith. You can hold me accountable for my prayer life. You can hold me accountable for leading other people to Jesus Christ. And the fourth Sunday... The church, the first church that had 15 now had 93 sitting in the sanctuary. The second church that had 12 or 13 now had 75 sitting in the sanctuary. And the third church, who was a lot fuller than it had ever been before, was begging the preacher, please do for us what you've been doing for them. All because the Spirit of God fell upon the church. The Holy Spirit got turned loose in the lives of believers. The Holy Spirit got turned loose in the life of a church. And the church became what God has always intended us to be. The body of Christ. Filled with His power. Filled with His presence. Ambassadors of His love and grace. You keep your eyes on North Carolina. There's a Holy Spirit revival breaking out right now in the Methodist Church. Oh God, do it here. Do it here. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.